Happy New Year. That was a little sedated. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Just like you yelled it last night, just uh, 10 hours ago. Well, good morning and welcome. Listen, for those of you who um, are maybe unfamiliar with uh, the church calendar, we still are in Christmas tide or Christmas time. We do that through Epiphany when we celebrate the arrival of the kings and the magi. So that's why we're still kind of in a Christmas mood. We're still singing Christmas carols, just for those of you who might not be familiar with the way um, the, the Christian calendar goes. I wanted to start out with a little bit of a bummer this morning. We don't generally start uh, sermons kind of with like negative stories, but let me read you three very brief stories written by people, true stories of why they don't come to church anymore. These aren't Royal Redeemer people. These aren't even Northeast Ohio people, I suppose, but I found these, and let me read these to you. One person writes, the Bible and God were twisted into something ugly and frightening. Most of the time, people just wanted to step on us, to grind their Christian truth into our lives with their heel. So I was disgusted from the church. It made me sick. I didn't want to have anything to do with Christianity. Another person writes, we're not around because of COVID. When the online services became available, we found it was easier and more convenient to watch from home. We could come, but we choose not to. A third person writes, I left because of the pressure to be perfect. It created an atmosphere of judgment. I don't know how or if I'll be able to come back. I miss the familiarity, but I don't like going to church anymore. So this first day of 2023, let's think about church Let's think about who we are. What a privilege for me to serve here. This is an awesome church. We have a reputation, and I mean that in the best way, of being kind and generous, of preaching God's word. Do we get it right all the time? No. But we're broken before God, and we receive his forgiveness, and we share the good news and the love of Jesus with everybody. So on this first day, I want to reacquaint ourselves what it means to be a welcoming church. We're calling this message Doors Open or the Church is Open because I want to think about it this way. When people look at our church, not just our building, of course, but our church, our gathering of people, do they see an openness? Do they see a welcomeness? Do they see, that's somewhere I'd like to be. I think there's good things going on there. Now, I want to be clear that this is a celebration of God's love and not an indictment of what we're doing wrong. This is Jesus' church, and he established it, and he leads it, and we celebrate that. So on this first day of 2023, as as is custom for many of us, let's re-kind of look at things and how things are going and what we're good at and what we can get better at and this type of thing. Our text for today is a bit of a long one. It's from John 2. It's a familiar story. Let me read it to you. Um, When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle, and scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered what was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Well, the Jews responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Brothers and sisters, that's God's word for us this morning. Let's come together in prayer. 
Lord, we are grateful for 2022. For some of us, it was really a rotten year. For some of us, it was great. For some of us, it was just sideways. But thank you for it. We look forward to 2023. Thank you that you're granting it to us. Thank you that the faithful are gathered here this morning to hear the preaching of your word, to benefit from the holy meal. Um, Let us take a good, honest look at ourselves. And again, this is not a condemnation on what we're doing wrong here, but really just a a celebration of your love and how we can make ourselves um, more uh, approachable by a world that might have enormous questions and have built up huge walls between themselves and the church. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. My Lord, my rock, and my redeemer, we pray this for Christ's sake and for his glory, and together we all say, amen. Our first stop this morning is this, that Jesus came not to set up an institution, but a kingdom. And these are very different, and I want to be careful here because the church is an institution, and Jesus established a church and called us to be the human leaders of it while he is the head of the church. So I'm not saying that church is bad or organization or even really a hierarchy of the way things go as far as authority, but Jesus's real ambition, his, his real reason for coming was to set up a, a kingdom, In our text today, Jesus is angered at what the church had become. They probably were doing some good God stuff, but the outer courts, the temple area where the Gentiles were allowed, the the area where people who weren't believers were allowed to come, had really just become a marketplace. They said, hey, it would be a good idea for us to sell cattle and sheep. In another um, version of that story, remember, Jesus calls it, you've turned this place into a den of thieves. You're just a bunch of robbers here. So that's what happens when humanity takes over organization. We've got to remember that the kingdom of God is what we live in. That The kingdom of God is a, short, is a word put together, right? A king's dominion or a king's domain. We are in the dominion or domain of a king, and that king is Jesus. Matthew 10, 7, and 8, as you go, proclaim this message that the kingdom of heaven has come. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely you give. We live in a kingdom, a kingdom ruled by a king, Jesus. He is our sovereign. He rules over us. He calls the shots. He is our Lord. I found the story. It's a true story from a missionary in Asia. He writes this. He said, I was serving as a missionary in Laos where I discovered an illustration of the kingdom of God. He says, before the colonists had imposed national boundaries, the kings of Laos and Vietnam reached an agreement on taxation in the border areas. Those who ate short grain rice, built their houses on stilts, and decorated their houses with Indian styles were considered Laotians. On the other hand, those who ate long grain rice, built their houses on the ground, decorated with Chinese decorations, those were Vietnamese. Listen to this. The exact location of a person's home was not what determined their nationality. Instead, each person belonged to the kingdom whose cultural values he or she exhibited. And so it is with us. We live in the world... But as part of God's kingdom, we are to live according to his kingdom's standards and his kingdom's values. Royal Redeemer, let's in 2023 be that kingdom that when people look in, they see God's values and God's norms. And be reminded that as members of his kingdom, we're not just citizens, but we're also ambassadors. We're ambassadors of that kingdom. We are his representatives. You know what ambassadors are, people who aren't citizens of that country, but living in that country to be a representative of that country. 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Now, for the most part, God operates through human beings. He shares his word through us. There are not grand um, displays in the sky, although every sunrise and sunset is beautiful. People don't look at that. Well, I guess guess they do from time to time and say, there must be a God. 
But for the most part, God works through his people. He works through you and me. He works through his ambassadors. He's ordained that we would be uh, the means through which people hear the good news of Jesus. And I wonder, brothers and sisters, here on this first day of 2023, do you sense that you're an ambassador? Do you, do you know that? Do you think about that? Do you wake up in the morning thinking, today I'm an ambassador of the kingdom. I want people to see the kingdom of God as having open doors, as being a church that's open, being a place where people are welcome. James Packer is a Christian author. He writes in his book, Your, Father's Love, Your Father Loves You. He writes, Paul called himself an ambassador because he knew that when he proclaimed the gospel facts and promises and urged sinners to receive the reconciliation affected at Calvary, he was declaring Christ's message to the world. The figure of ambassadorship highlights the authority Paul had as representing his Lord. As long as he remained faithful to the terms of his commission, and said neither less nor more than he had been given to say. In other words, we've been given what God wants us to say from his word. Let's say those things in 2023. Let's continue to represent Christ well. Let's be his ambassadors. We are not residents or citizens of the earthly kingdom. We are already bought and paid for, so we have citizenship in the heavenly kingdom. But while we live here, we are called to be ambassadors. So next, on this uh, first day of 2023, let's ask ourselves, what's the 2023 version of the court of the Gentiles? In other words, the entrance area to the church. I'm not talking about outside the doors, the physical church. I'm talking about us. What are the entry areas? What do people see when they look in? Do they see open doors? Or do they see a, 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 a fake, hard, um, um, burdened church? And let's start here. Let's start with the idea of kindness, Start with the idea of kindness. Ephesians 4:32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ forgave, just as in Christ God forgave you. I, I think you know my point. I think you know that kindness is attractive. A Christian author named John Watson, who was alive in England in the late 1800s, he penned hundreds of books under the pen name Ian McLaren. And in the flyleaf of each and every one of those books, he wrote, Be kind. For everyone you meet is fighting a battle. Now, maybe you've heard a version of that on social media or heard recently. You don't know, really, really know where it came from. It's a beautiful sentiment. It's true. But it started with this Christian author. Just be kind to people because everyone is living through garbage that you don't know about. When people look in at the church, do they see door opens by means of kindness? Secondly, what about the idea of hospitality? This is an interesting one because hospitality generally means in your home. Now, as a church gathering here at Royal Redeemer, I would have to score us pretty high. We're pretty hospitable. People are welcome. Sometimes we have donuts and coffee. We sit around. We do things together. What about hospitality in your home? Hebrews 13, 2, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing, uh, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing about it. Now, this is interesting because it talks about the whole angel thing, but the first part is true. Be hospitable, even to strangers. Welcome them into your house. This is a gift. Our family, we kind of range at a strong C-plus in that area. We're not great at it. We're not lousy at it. Some of you are really good at it. Thank you. Continue to be hospitable. For those of you who don't do great at it, continue to grow. Learn ways to be hospitable, to welcome people in your homes, to have a meal, to share a piece of pie with somebody and talk about their day and ask them if there's anything you can pray for and anything you can do for them. Next, we think about the idea of witness. Do we have a witness? 
Are we able to tell the story of who we were before we met Jesus and who we are now, now that we're followers of his, now that we're learners of his? Can we share that easily with people and tell them our story? Acts 1.8, Jesus says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I don't want to make it so it needs to be like perfectly um, rehearsed and filed down, but we ought to kind of have like a 60-second story if we see that opportunity when people are in conversation with us and we've sensed we have maybe 45 seconds or 60 seconds just to share our story, maybe even a three-minute version on top of that. Let's think about that this year. Let's be witnesses. Let's, people, let, let's have people looking at the church and see open doors through our witness. Now, this next one's a challenge for me, maybe you too. Um, humility. How are we doing with that? We do pretty well around here. I need to improve on it. Maybe you should think about it this year too. Philippians 2, 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. We won't spend a lot of time on this. You know what it means to be humble. You know what it means to place others' priorities above your own. The Bible calls us to that. For the most part, Royal Redeemer is a pretty humble place, and I mean that in the best way. People look in, they don't see a lot of ego or a lot of attitude or a lot of braggadocia. They just see people who are broken, who are doing life together, who found hope in Jesus, the one who's come to change our lives and give us eternity. But in 2023, let's think about that. Let's pray about the idea of humility as an entranceway to the church. This next one is fun, community. Community. And what a privilege to serve at a church that really has a great sense of community. We like being together. <laughs> That's not the case in all churches. We do serve on Saturday. We do the Thanksgiving meal. We serve, uh, I, yeah, I, was gonna, I hesitated, but hundreds of different ways. And we do life together. We pray, we're broken, we laugh. Sometimes things are awkward. That's okay. That's community too. We're generous. We do life together. Does the community in general, look in and see our community and go, yeah, that looks like an entranceway. It looks like I'd like to be a part of that. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Community. You probably know this, but the idea of community scores very high with the younger generations. 25 and under for sure, consider the idea of being together very high. Let's continue to be that kind of place, Royal Redeemer, in 2023. This next one will spend a little bit of time on authenticity, not to be a fake church, not to put on airs, not to act like we have it all together, but to be truly authentic. Being authentic literally means an original as opposed to a copy. We're not pretending when we're hurt, we admit it. When we struggle, we don't fake. When someone asks us a question that we don't know the answer to, we say, I don't know the answer to that. In real life, with real challenges, we experience ups and downs, and we let the, the, the world see that. It's an entranceway for people who are away from the church. The Apostle Paul has this great, and it's kind of wordy, and it's almost humorous in how wordy it is, uh, I don't know if anyone has ever been more authentic because he's talking about what you go through. He, he's talking about what I go through. He, he talks about what he's going through and wanting to do good, but it seems like he just can't. And wanting to stay away from sinful things, but somehow he, he continues in those. He writes in Romans 7, I do not understand what I do. And what I want to do, I do not do. 
but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but the sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have no desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So, I know there's one more sentence. We'll get to it in a second. So, very wordy, right? But he's, man, talk about authentic. This is the Apostle Paul. And he's going, I really want to do good stuff, and I just don't seem to be able to do it. And I want to avoid sin, but somehow I just keep doing it. Authentic. And then the gospel. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's saying, look, my life is a mess, and I'm Paul. But thanks be to God, the one who makes it right, the one who has saved me. I think when the world sees authenticity like that, they go, I think that's a welcoming place because I'm like that. Even people who are away from Jesus, there are things that they want to do that are good that they just can't seem to do, and that frustrates them. And they know about sin and stuff that's bad for them in the world. They don't want to do those things either, but they continue to do them, and they're frustrated too. And they're authentic with themselves, and I think when we're authentic like that, they see us and they go, that's probably a place where I could go. Another story about authenticity, Jesus telling this story in Luke 18. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers and evildoers and adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. He beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus concludes, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other one, the religious guy, he went home justified before God. For all, who, all of those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. And let's not lose sight of the fact that this tax collector who Jesus then called justified, he was a rotten dude, right? We see the Pharisee as being this hypocritical, hateful guy, so we hate him. And then we hear tax collector, and we go, oh, nice. He was a jerk, He was a thief, he was a turncoat, he was a rebel against his own people. But in authentic confession and repentance, he comes to God and says, I can't even look to you, God, because I am a sinner. Have mercy on me. And Jesus says it was him, this guy that was broken and understood that he couldn't help himself who was justified before God because he believed in the promise that Messiah was here. And Jesus would take away our sins. Jesus would become our sin on a cross. And now we speak of that in past tense, of course, because it's happened. And for those of us who come in authentic confession and repentance, God, I can't do it. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I hate that are sinful, I find myself doing. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And God says, you are justified. You are forgiven. That's an open door. When the world sees that, they go, hey, that's me because I can't get it right either. But it seems to me that these people seem to believe that Jesus got it right for them. And I want to find out more about that. An open door. The next one's a bummer. Some will walk away. Um, How many people have you been praying for daily for decades? I have, that just don't seem to be coming to Christ. And I continue as you continue, and some just walk away. Um, Jesus is giving a hard lesson in John 6. A little bit confusing, frankly. 
And this is Jesus. He's telling the people a truth from heaven. And from this time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And the only thing I want to say here is that's going to happen. And I hate that it happens, and God does too. But don't be discouraged. Don't let that discourage you. Don't let the fact that the person that you've been praying for for decades just doesn't seem to be coming to Christ. Continue to pray. Continue to love. Continue to be an open door. Continue to invite them here. Continue to pray for them and show them God's word. So we kind of conclude here. What tables need to be overturned in our lives? In other, in other words, Jesus enters that entrance area of the temple where everyone is welcome, and he starts overturning tables. This, this isn't working, guys. This isn't an open door to my church. What tables in your life need to be overturned? 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. They've overturned tables. The old is gone. The new is here. Let me read to you this story. It'll take a minute. It's from a devotional you might be familiar with called Our Daily Bread. And it's so great because this was written literally decades ago, but the beginning talks about the weather that we seem to have just gone through. And the writer says, Last winter, our city was hit by an ice storm. Hundreds of ice-heavy tree limbs cut into power lines, leaving thousands of homes and businesses without electrical power for days. And our family kept basic energy from a generator, but we couldn't cook meals at our house. So we set out to find a place where we could eat. We drove for miles past one closed business after another. And finally, we found a breakfast place that it was open. They had not lost power, but as you can imagine, they were packed with hungry customers who came there for the same reason we did. A woman came to our table to take our order. She said, I'm not really an employee at this restaurant. Our church group was having breakfast here. And we saw how the staff was overwhelmed with so many customers who came in. So we asked the restaurant owner if we could help serve tables, if it would ease the burden and get more food to more people. So brothers and sisters, do you think that this kind of love and service, when seen by a watching world, would note to them that we're a church with open doors? I've seen it happen. I know that you have too. Thank you for being a loving and gracious and generous and Christ-centered church. Let's continue to do that in 2023. Galatians 10.6, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. As we usually do, we like to wrap up with a couple of next steps, things for you to think about, to pray about this week, maybe this year. And, I, and maybe I should have worded this differently. I probably should have. But be reminded that Jesus came to save sinners and not to set up an institution. Again, Jesus came and set up the church. It's his church. He started it. So I'm not saying that. But when man takes over the institution and starts to get it wrong because of his um, motivation and his priorities, that's when we get it wrong. Jesus is the savior of sinners. Secondly, pray for God to reveal what tables need to be overturned in your life. I don't know about you, but humility is one for me. Maybe your kindness or your hospitality or your witness or something else that we didn't even mention is something that you can pray about in 2023 and find help with. And number three, look for people to invite into a relationship with Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are good. And again, we thank you for 2022 and we ask for your blessing in 2023. We learned some stuff today. Some of it's hard. Some of it's stories about people who don't like the church anymore, who, uh, people who don't like Christians anymore, and, and oftentimes for, for very valid reasons. Thank you that I get to serve in a church that seems to have a loving soul, a selfless identity, a willingness to be generous, an understanding that other people are more important than we are, and that ultimately Jesus is our king, 
that we are ambassadors and citizens of a different kingdom, not of this world. We live here now, and you've given us blessing here, but we're ambassadors. We're, we're citizens of a different place, so we live differently. Let 2023 be that year, Lord, where many come to Christ through um, the Holy Spirit's moving in this place or otherwise. doesn't matter. We don't want the credit. We want you to be glorified. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for Jesus and his salvation. In Jesus' name we pray so that his name might be known among the nation. We pray these things, and together we all say, amen.